Support comes from Clipper Vacations, offering getaways on the Clipper Fast Ferry to Victoria, B.C. Clipper Ferry and hotel packages from $250 per person. Enjoy historic charm, afternoon tea, and more. Terms and conditions apply. Details and booking at clippervacations.com. From KUOW, this is Soundside. I'm Diana Pong in for Libby Denkman. What does it mean for land to be wild? It's a question that federal land managers have thought about since the Wilderness Act of 1964, which defined wilderness as areas untrammeled by man, where man himself is a visitor who does not remain. Six decades later, we've done some light trammeling on wilderness land. Our national parks and public lands have visitor centers, fire lookouts, and other quote-unquote installations that help us enjoy the wild safely. But just what defines an installation has become the center of a recent debate between rock climbers and conservationists. I'll let Soundside producer Alec Cowan take it from here. Do a little theater of the mind with me. You're in the North Cascades, high up on a rock wall. You've got your chalk pouch on your hip, and in my case, I'm imagining I have the grip strength to tear an apple in half. But the weather's getting worse. In this case, as an experienced climber, I might look for a fixed anchor, a small bolt that's drilled directly into the rock face. Because they're drilled into rock, these anchors can hold a climber's weight and help them quickly and safely rappel down. In the past, climbers have enjoyed a relatively unrestricted use of these fixed climbing anchors. But recently proposed guidance from the National Park Service and the U.S. Forest Service would create a new system for cataloging and permitting fixed anchors. If adopted, it could mean that climbers would need permission from parks before installing anchors. Currently, climbers can install anchors when they're establishing new routes or use a bolt here and there for safety reasons. So while this might seem like a minor bureaucratic detail, it would be a major change to how anchors are viewed and handled. Cynthia Hernandez, a spokesperson for the National Park Service, said the changes are being proposed after climbing has grown nationwide, but climbing regulations haven't. This isn't about managing this one particular tool in itself. It's about balancing the activity, which is climbing and such a popular and appropriate activity in many national parks. But in wilderness areas, we do need to have a consistent approach to managing fixed climbing equipment in particular. Some of the complaints about climbing include the visual impacts of equipment and the damage to local flora. Tribes across the country also have numerous sacred sites in national parks and on federal lands, many of which coincide with climbing routes. The Forest Service and the National Park Service collected public comments on the proposal and have been speaking with stakeholders. We did hold a tribal uh, consultation period last year to get thoughts from tribes where this is a concern. We've heard from park superintendents as well as the climbing community across the country as a whole that more clarity is needed about what existing guidance exists managing this activity in national park wilderness areas. At the core of this new guidance is something called a Minimum Requirements Analysis, or MRA. Cynthia said that process will look at two things. One, whether a proposed management action is necessary for the administration of the area as a wilderness. Basically, is a particular climb an appropriate way to enjoy a particular area of wilderness? And number two, it also determines which management activity, really the method or tool used, causes the least impact to wilderness resource and character. So is the climb using the minimum number of anchors necessary? For climbers, the proposed change to managing anchors is worrisome. 
They want to make sure the outdoor recreation they love doesn't get regulated into oblivion. I caught up with Matt Perkins of the Washington Climbers Coalition to get a sense of how climbers are using these fixed bolts. And of course, how this new guidance might change that. Fixed anchors are anything that's left in place, attached to the rock, that was placed there to to be used as an anchor. We want to have some way of catching ourselves should we slip or, you know, whatever else might happen. You, You might get knocked by a falling rock or something. And so in order to make that system work, you have to attach hardware or perhaps a piece of sling or a rope uh, to the rock so that there's something holding it that, that can hold the weight of a human being. So those are called fixed anchors if they're left in place. We have what are not considered fixed anchors. We have devices that we can insert into cracks and take them out. And if the party removes them as they go, then those are not fixed anchors. They are fixed anchors, the same devices. If you leave them behind, and that is particularly likely to occur if you need to descend a cliff or a rock face, you have to have an anchor for the rope because we basically slide down the rope using a friction device that's called repelling, and there has to be something holding it up. When we talk about fixed anchors, we're mostly talking about bolts. That's what people are, are most concerned with in general. And these are tiny little metal spikes that are inserted into holes that are drilled in the rock. They are you know, three or four inches deep, three-eighths or a half-inch wide. They're not very big, but they are very, very strong if placed properly. Where there may, where there's some disagreement sometimes is, is whether or how many bolts may be necessary as opposed to the gear that's more readily removable. Generally, where there's a crack, we can use the gear that is more readily uh, removable. And I would imagine, I mean, these bolts need to be able to catch and hold the weight of a human person, I mean, what does it take to actually get these bolts in the rock to where they're, you know, strong enough to be used uh, as a reliable safety mechanism? Well, sometimes we just loop a piece of sling around a rock horn and we may be able to use that as a fixed anchor. So you just take it off your neck and carry it around your neck or on your harness and loop it over and there you go. But when we're talking about these bolts, you have to drill a hole. So you have to find someplace where you can stand and get hands free and work with the equipment to drill a hole and then install that. We do sometimes do it without a stance, just hanging on the rope as well. So I guess I, I should clarify, you don't always have to have a stance. Hmm. So this proposal by the National Park Service and the Forest Service, the goal as stated in this directive is to limit fixed climbing anchors to only the most essential anchors on a climb. So the idea here is that Federal land managers want to promote, quote, clean climbing practices, uh, so practices that don't leave anything behind afterwards. You were just mentioning how these anchors often require drills to get these bolts into the solid rock. So is it surprising that there's some interest from land managers to maybe pump the brakes and say, we should look at how we can balance the safety of these climbs uh, alongside their impact on the wilderness? Sure, that, that, there's been a great deal of debate over what is commonly called climbing ethics, uh, but we're talking about climbing style and the rules of the game and different perceptions uh, about impact and all of that. There have been, there have been vivid debates for, for decades about, on those issues. I think it was roughly 2013 when the Park Service director issued what was called Director's Order 41. And that was talking about the need to regulate climbing, uh, calling for climbing management plans, 
calling for permits before new routes could be established, if I remember correctly. But it also included a premise that fixed anchors were allowed unless a park superintendent or somebody with the with the requisite authority said that they were not allowed in a certain location or perhaps in a park. Uh, they, they did have the authority under Director's Order 41 to make that uh, determination. But the fallback position was that they would be, fixed anchors would be allowed. This proposal that we're talking about now is both in the Forest Service and the Park Service has to do with an interpretation of the 1964 Wilderness Act, which is kind of convoluted. But that the basic issue here is that it's kind of flipped that presumption on its head. And so that's, that is concerning to us. Hmm. And just to clarify, the premise is that climbing is an activity that is, you know, a recognized part of enjoying the outdoors. It's a good recreation option for national parks and wilderness areas. But it's proposing a system for regulating these fixed climbing anchors through what's called a minimum requirements analysis. And looking at this proposal, there isn't a whole lot of, you know, instance by instance guidelines. But what are your concerns as to how this would reshape climbing here in Washington? We don't know how that would play out. But what we do know is the the proposals call for climbing management plans in all the parks where that activity takes place. It also requires the authorities that are executing this to undertake an inventory and analysis of the anchors that are in place. But they have to do an analysis of uh, whether that is the minimum tool or minimum impact uh, required to meet a legitimate wilderness need. And we can go into that. I think we, we believe that was intended to address actions taken by the managers, the land managers, not actions undertaken by the public, but that's a side trip. But anyway, it requires all of this process. And, and they would have to do that before they allowed installation of new routes or maintenance of existing ones as well. Now, there's no funding for this. And the agencies are struggling to keep the parks open as it is. They can't keep the roads and the toilets in some cases open because they are having funding problems. And so we don't think that they're going to be able to carry this out. So functionally, if that if that's how it turns out, then you will have all of this will just stack. There will be little progress and, and they will not be able to allow any maintenance or new routing without doing this minimum needs analysis, which we just don't know that they're equipped to do. So that, in fact, would lead, if, it, if that's how it happens, uh, to a degradation of existing routes, uh, a degradation of the safety. Uh, and climbers are still probably going to go do those routes. I see uh, climbers uh, hanging from hardware that I think is crazy bad. When I'm out at the cliffs, I, I see that not infrequently. Uh, and so we fear that there will be accidents and serious accidents, including possible deaths that, that would result. Hmm. Well, Matt, is there anything else that you'd like to share with listeners on climbing in Washington and your thoughts on this uh, wilderness directive from the National Park Service and the Forest Service? Uh, you know, this proposal to regulate and limit fixed climbing anchors on federal land. Anything else that you think is important for listeners to know from a climbing expert? Well, certainly. First of all, one thing I'd like to say is that we're, we are not opposed to regulation. We work with the land managers all the time. We, we get our permits to, to go climbing. You have to get a permit just to camp in the backcountry. You have to get a permit to, to climb the big walls in Yosemite. And we're, and we're not opposed to that. And we, we, if, we, if it turns out we need to do some kind of permit process before installing new routes, I think we can probably 
work with that. It's just this process doesn't seem like uh, it's very well uh, thought out. So that's that's one thing. One other point I want to make too is that climbing is, we think climbing matters. The Wilderness Act was written to say that recreation was one of the key values there. And climbing is unstructured recreation at its, uh, at its, at its heart. And we, we love being outdoors. We love the wilderness. The National Climbers Organization, the Access Fund, is involved in litigation right now arguing for the Bears Ears Wilderness area down in southern Utah. So we're natural supporters of all of that. And one concern we have is that these proposals will, to a substantial extent, risk pitting climbers against wilderness and wilderness management practices. And that, that would be unfortunate. Yeah. So it seems like this is really just about threading the needle on where recreation can meet conservation, you know, in the best interests of everyone involved. Great. Well, Matt Perkins, currently the president of the Washington Climbers Coalition. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Okay. so as I mentioned, the two federal land agencies in charge of this proposed change, the U.S. Forest Service and the National Park Service, invited the public to comment on the change back in November. The deadline for commenting passed last week, and there were, well, just a whole lot of comments. The U.S. Forest Service alone received more than 8,000. We had the team read a few. As a former Forest Service employee who often worked within wilderness areas, fixed climbing hardware, including bolts, fits within my vision of what a wilderness area is. As another voice of someone who frequently relies on fixed anchors and bolts for my personal safety... I would advise the consideration that restricting the implementation of fixed hardware will make climbing significantly more dangerous. Permanent fixed climbing anchors, like bolts and pittons permanently pounded into wilderness rock faces, diminish an area's wild character. Impacts include unauthorized trails, trampled and mutilated vegetations, rock faces scrubbed free of lichens and plant life, and interference of nesting habitats and wildlife. A nonprofit conservation org named Wilderness Watch submitted three of the 8,000 comments. And George Nickus, its executive director, is critical of the proposal. He says it's giving a unique exception to climbers, one that other wilderness activities don't and shouldn't have. The distinction between all other structures or installations or uses for that matter and how they're administered and the issue with fixed anchors, mind you, is that all of those other things are administered by the agency. The agency determines that they need those structures or installations there in order to administer the wilderness. What the Forest Service and the Park Service are suggesting in their new guidelines is that they can exempt a certain group of recreationists from the prohibition on installations we're going to let you decide where it's the minimum necessary for your recreational pleasure. They're leaving it up to the climbers. As a conservationist, George says the new guidance doesn't go far enough to protect these areas. He says it comes down to a philosophical difference in how people think about wilderness areas. In wilderness, we're supposed to accept wilderness on its own terms and not try to modify it to make it more amenable to recreation. Now, agencies do things from time to time that might be perceived as benefiting or, or facilitating recreation, but that's a whole different ballgame from recreationists themselves modifying the wilderness to make it more amenable for them. Going forward, 
Wilderness Watch is concerned that making exceptions for one group of recreationists opens the door for more in the future. By the same token, then, they could exempt a specific group of recreationists from the prohibition on motor vehicles. So they can tell snowmobilers that you can snowmobile in these areas. We be, we're going to let you decide where it's the minimum necessary for your recreational pleasure. Or they can tell cross-country skiers that you can put in huts. It's not that the climbers are the only ones, the fixed anchor crowd are the only ones pushing for exceptions. It's just that they seem to be making more headway right now than some of those other groups. But they'll definitely crack open the door. In the backdrop of the process are two pieces of federal legislation that would protect climbing anchors, Protecting America's Rock Climbing Act and America's Outdoor Recreation Act of 2023. As of today, both are waiting to be heard on a congressional floor. But after a few months of public comments from climbers, tribes, and conservationists, land managers will now consider the proposal and any changes before making a final decision. That was Soundside producer Alec Cowan. If you've got thoughts on climbing anchors, we'd love to hear them. Email us at soundside at KUOW.org or leave a voicemail at 206-221-3213. Thanks for listening to Soundside. This show is only possible because listeners support us. If you're able to give right now, please check out the show notes for a link to donate. And don't forget, you can listen live on KUOW 94.9 FM Seattle at noon and 8 p.m. Monday through Thursday or anytime online at KUOW.org. Seattle in the 90s. A tidal wave of iconic music roars out of this sleepy city and launches a pop culture revolution. Here's a story you haven't heard. Let the Kids Dance is a new podcast about the rise and fall of Seattle's teen dance ordinance, the law that made it illegal for young people to go to concerts. A story of moral panic, grassroots activism, and an unstoppable music community that fought for its freedom. Listen to Let the Kids Dance from KUOW and the NPR Network.